Coach sure. Bowen, thank you very much for calling in. We're not used to guests calling in earlier than their appointed uh, scheduled time, so we apologize. <laughs> we're in the midst of uh, we're in the midst of an interview, but we wanted to dash in and grab you. Uh, no, that, that's fine. All right. First of all, tell us a little bit about Liam Bowen. Uh, where'd you come from? I know you were on uh, Coach Mama's staff there at UMBC. Tell us a little bit about your background. Well, I'm uh, born and raised in Maryland. I'm from Silver Spring, and I went to Blair High School. Um, I was an O2 graduate there. Uh, from there, I played my college ball in Minnesota at McAllister College. Um, came back to Maryland for my first coaching job at St. Mary's College uh, in Division Three. Spent a year in Division Two at Lincoln Memorial University, and then I'd been the uh, pitching coach and most recently the associate head coach at UMBC. Uh, over the course of the past eight years. So uh, spent most of my life in Maryland, and, and certainly my family and I are thrilled uh, that we're going to be able to continue uh, at UMBC and in our home state. Well, we're excited for you. Uh, the program, uh, as I looked up the roster, now I'm not, I'm not an expert on college baseball, but when I look at 31-plus players, only six are seniors. That means you probably had a fairly young club this year. Very young, very young. It was the first time we had been young in a while. We had had a, a string of four years where we we had been uh, we or we had had a winning record in our conference each year. Uh, we won the conference one of those years. We lost in the championship game of the conference another one of those years. Uh, and and truthfully, we were a little bit spoiled. We had some some pretty outstanding veterans, some some amazing kids, the guys who've gone on uh, and become uh, you know really. Uh, honorable alumni of our place and in, in our business uh, in any college sport there there comes a time where you have to reset and uh, and start over a little bit and that was the case this year but I think we're going to show some value for that experience going forward we certainly have some young players that we're excited about we have another group uh, of players coming in that we're really excited about so um, well, yeah we're just we're really uh, you know looking forward to building the next championship team at our place and we think we have some of the ingredients already let me ask you about that process uh, the timing of your taking over the team you became the associate head coach with about f- seven games left in the season is that considered late is that early uh in terms of recruiting uh, it would seem like it's a little bit of a jarring change at that time how was recruiting affected by that uh not as much as as you might think. I think we uh, we definitely got the benefit of some continuity in terms of um, you know me taking over the program. Mm-hmm. I had been the guy that had been the recruiting coordinator and uh, you know started the recruiting process with not only our current players uh, but a lot of our committed players as well. And you know it was a matter of a few phone calls and um, just trying to get people up to speed on our situation. But I think that the players and their families appreciated that the the person that represented the program when they first kind of got in contact yep. with UMBC baseball was still going to be there and, and was still going to stand behind any commitments that we, that we made and, you know, the values that we talk about in the recruiting process and in our program. So uh, that continuity, I, I think, was to our benefit, and the response has been really good from both the current players 
uh, and the ones that you know we have coming in the future. So typically, what is the size of a new recruiting class? I mentioned six seniors. Are you hoping to fill six slots plus a few others and add 10, 10 12 new players? Or is, is, this, that, is, is that about it, like six or eight? No, this one will be a little bit bigger uh, for a number of reasons, and um, it just varies year to year. Uh, truthfully, it's it comes down to where you know obviously we were where we're losing players, like you alluded to, and then also where we feel like we maybe need to uh, maybe create more of a competitive advantage against our schedule. So it, that's a constant constant process. You know, we have recruiting meetings at a bare minimum once a week. But, you know, most weeks are are more often than that. And it's something that we do every day. I mean, you know, every uh, day that I wake up that, that we're working, which, uh, you know, my, my family would tell you is, is the vast majority of the days, you know, we, we don't get a lot of days off in division one baseball. Uh, we're, we're doing something from a recruiting standpoint. I mean, I'm calling in uh, from Delaware right now. We've got a, a 12 o'clock start for a game that I need to see. And it, it's just something where if, if you're not gaining on recruiting, I think you're losing ground with how competitive our league has gotten and just the, the quality of the job that some of these other coaching staffs do. So it's, it's a big challenge, but um, it's certainly kind of how I cut my teeth as a recruiting coordinator. And then the guys who are on our staff, uh, Ryan Terrell and Mitch Cooksey, I think are outstanding recruiters and you know, give us you know, reasons to be confident in our future. We're talking to Coach Liam Bowen. He's the new head men's baseball coach at UMBC. Liam, uh, scheduling-wise, do you play all the local teams? Do you play Coppin? Do you play Towson? Uh, Do you play the University of Maryland? Uh, How's that go? We do. We do. And and it's really important to me in any given season that not only we do well in our league, the America East Conference, but that we do well in what I kind of call our local league, where we play our midweek games against a lot of the schools you mentioned, and more all the schools that are within maybe about an hour's drive mm-hmm. of our campus, which is a huge benefit to us and our players that we can find so much good competition so close by. Um, you know, it's obviously less pressure on guys missing class and, you know, the, the travel that we ask our players to do. So uh, being able to consistently compete well against those teams it's important in recruiting. And I think it's also important from a pride standpoint in terms of representing our university. I mean, our players oftentimes grew up playing against or with some of the players on some of those other rosters. So those games are really meaningful to us. And, you know, we enjoy competing against all those schools. So I was looking at uh, uh, an article that mentioned that you had five players chosen to the America East all-conference team, either first or second team. But I only saw four names. I saw the names of pitchers Stephen Schock and Colin Casey. Then I saw senior A.J. Wright and Terrence Pinkston. So I'm not sure who the fifth player was. But can you tell me a little bit about uh, Schock and Casey, their pitchers, and pitching was sort of your special area of uh, expertise. Uh, Tell us a little bit about those two guys. Sure. Well, um, Stephen Schock uh, has been our closer for the last two years. Um, he's, he's definitely a special pitcher. He set the single season saves record at our school, uh, last year in the 2018 season. And then this year he uh, got a few more saves and set the career record. Uh, he's a guy who I think has a bright professional future. He comes from a lower arm angle. He's kind of a sidearm guy, kind of in the, the Darren O'Day mold, uh, for your, your Orioles fans mm-hmm. that are listening. And, um, just a, a really elite competitor and a guy who, 
is really pitching from that slot. I think at our level where, where the players are younger, sometimes you have guys who are throwing from a sidearm or submarine slot who are um, still learning that, that craft. That's a very specific skill. And he's a, a guy who's done it since high school. He had a great career at Good Council High School uh, locally. And um, he, he's, he's just further along. Uh, and a little bit more polished than the average guy that you see down there. So, certainly and what, a guy and what year, miss. Coach? What year is he? Is he a junior or sophomore? He, he graduated this year. Oh, he graduated. So, okay. Yeah, he, he actually sent me a, a picture of him in his cap and gown. I was uh, really happy to see it. So, um, he's uh, he he's certainly a guy who can look back proudly on a really good career. And Colin Casey, the other one you mentioned, is actually our catcher. But I thought. Okay. Um, did a, a great job of, of handling our pitching staff, was a, a, a player transferred in from uh, another university and uh, was just a really competitive kid that was able to hit the ground running and handle uh, a big catching load after some injuries. So I was glad to see him get re- rewarded with an end-of-the-season uh, award uh, himself. Getting back to Steven Schock then, if he's a senior, do you th- do you, and you said he probably has a bright p- professional uh, career ahead of him, is he somebody that could be in next week's draft? It's certainly a possibility. Um, you know, the draft is always uh, a little bit of a mystery uh, mm-hmm. at the college level. You know, there's, um, there, there's only so much you can know about it. Uh, I know he's uh, been in contact with several professional organizations. He's uh, gone to some workouts. Uh, I've gotten a lot of texts from scouts about him over the course of the year of I've sung his praises to anybody that will listen right. for two years. I can tell you that. I think, you know, he's somebody who's going to make our school and our program really proud when he gets that opportunity. I think he's going to be a successful pro. But, um, you know, it's it's 30 different rooms where those yeah. decisions are being made. And you, and you just, you don't, from where we sit, you don't always have a feel for how those discussions are going to go. But I think he's going to make somebody really happy whenever that day comes and however it comes. So as I'm just getting to know you, and we'll just keep you, are you okay for another three, four minutes, five minutes? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, sure thing. Uh, I really as I get to know it. you a little bit, I know you're at the base at the college baseball level, uh, but what's going on in pro baseball right now with the amazing number of home runs being hit, uh, I, I know you probably use a very different baseball than major leagues, but major leagues baseball, but uh, do you see the same things going on at the college level, or or is it vastly different there? I would say it is. That's a great question, and it's something that I think about quite a bit. I would say that our level is sort of a um, you might say like a trailing indicator of what happens at the professional level. Right. Like I think we're um, some years behind, as you might imagine, as you know the the influence of the major league game trickles down and the the players that we're coaching now grew up you know watching a certain style of baseball you know when they turned on their tv as kids um i think in some ways if, if you're maybe a little bit of a uh, baseball purist or, or you're somebody who appreciates maybe a little bit more of a well-rounded game than mm-hmm. than our level has a lot to offer you as a fan i think sure. you know in the, in the pro game the guys are just they're so incredibly strong now and and the um, the level of play has gotten so out of sight that the, uh, the the more vertical swings, the attempt to get the ball in the air, I think you can you can put together a big league lineup where one through nine you can send up um, a, a, just a chain of guys who can uh, leave the yard at any given moment. College is a little bit different. Sure. You know, it's there's only so many people with that kind of special power, so there's a lot of players who have to do it in a different way. And 
a lot of my job and a lot of our coaching staff's job is to get players to understand what their identity is and how they can impact games at our level. And it's not as, um, it's not as maybe uh, cookie cutter is maybe too harsh a term, but sometimes it feels like the big league game is a little cookie cutter now, whereas mm-hmm. you can have a guy who's uh, swinging uphill in the middle of your order in college and, and trying to hit long fly balls over the outfielders heads. And then, you know, three batters later, there's a guy who's a, a threat to drag bunt or, maybe handle the bat on a hit and run or steal some bases or what have you. So um, that's one thing I love about our game and, and, and I love about the, the development process with our players is getting to kind of unlock each guy's best way of, of helping us win. So at the major league level, we're now, and, and the minor league level, we're hearing this term analytics. We've heard it for five or eight years, but it's really more and more a part of the game is baseball at the level that you're coaching now, Coach, is it is it analytically driven at all, or is it more old school in terms of what you see and how you teach uh, to get the most out of players? I think it's a combination of both, and that's one of the reasons that it's really fun uh, for me, and I think it's really exciting for the players. We have more numbers and more data than ever. There are things that we can show our players to help them with the development process uh, th- that are, I think would fall under the analytics umbrella. There are, are things that we use in our scouting report that maybe weren't possible 10 years ago in terms of, you know, spray charts or where our opponents hit the, hit the ball or how we should line up defensively, how we should attack different guys. But I think the, the data environment we're talking about in college baseball, it's, it's never going to be what it is in pro baseball. I mean, pro baseball, they've got a number for every blade of grass on the field just because, um, of how closely studied it is. And for us, it's the, the numbers I, I think would impress a, a casual observer in their detail, but it's, it's not quite at that major league level. So I think there's always going to be an element of feel and of maybe what you would call uh, kind of old school coaching. But I think no matter the level, like it really comes down to relationships. Like you can, the, the, the analytics piece is a, is a tool that you can use to refine your process, but it's all about building trust with the players and, and that's as old school as it gets it just takes work ethic and empathy and you know all the things that all of our parents taught us so um, you know that that's where it starts it's where we focus and, and if analytics can put you know another tool in our toolbox then we're all the better for it um, but it, it i don't think it's ever going to quite be at that major league level of refinement we're talking with liam bowen he's the new head coach of baseball at uh, umbc liam before i let you go I've got one other quick question for you. I had on the uh, president of the Atlantic League. Uh, that's an independent league that has just signed a three- or five-year deal with baseball, where baseball, I guess, is pay- paying for the install of the Trackman te- technology at all the ballparks. In return, the Atlantic Hawkeye. League- the Hawkeye technology? No, well, Trackman is already in place. Not in the, the Atlantic Hawk- League. Oh, 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 oh my mistake. Atlantic apologies, okay. apologies. That's okay. Um, but the, the, the point of the question was, so this technology is being put in these ballparks there. In return, the league has agreed to be sort of a, a laboratory for Major League Baseball to experiment with some things. One of the things they're talking about at midseason this year in the Atlantic League is moving the pitcher's mound from 60 feet 6 inches to 62 feet and 3 inches, I think. It's 2 feet 1 inch further. Um, do you have any thoughts about that as a sort of a means of combating 
how much velocity is changing the game? Uh, it's another really good question. It's, it's something as you know, somebody who loves baseball and in particular loves pitching that I, I, I've thought about quite a bit. Um, so you're I aware, think, you're aware of this discussion, right? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. You, you know, there, there are players from our league and um, from our team actually uh, that have played in the Atlantic league. And I know it's going to be a big change for the, the players that are involved. I think moving the mound back is going to be interesting. I think obviously it'll give the hitter a little bit more time uh, on the higher velocity. Like you mentioned, the the impact on uh, movement on the ball is is going to be something that um, I, I would watch closely. You know, just see how that extra two feet for a pitcher to maybe spin a breaking ball or get a change up to tumble or or what have you, uh, how that'll impact the the batter pitcher matchup. Um, I, I do think as much of a you know lover of baseball as I am and as a, as much of a traditionalist as I can be, I think as a sport, we do have to grapple with the idea that the athletes that are playing our game are just so different than they have been in previous generations with the advancements in strength and conditioning Mm -hmm. and um, just the the way that the development process has become so much more specific. Um, I can even tell you, I'm 35 years old, and when I was playing college baseball, a guy who was really dedicated in the weight room and, and really pushed his body uh, from a training standpoint, stood out. He was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kind of a an outlier, and and people would kind of notice that. That's the bare minimum that it takes to just stay on the field in college baseball. Now, not to mention the pro game, right? Um, just the the level of strength and and the way that we can train these athletes now is is just so so much better, and it, it hasn't even been all that long a time. So, whatever the answer is, I I think I think baseball's got to engage with it. I think if we keep the game exactly the same when the when the athletes have trained changed so dramatically then you're going to get um it, 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 it's going to sort of upset the uh, the environment in, in a way that maybe fans won't always appreciate and, and that's got to be maintained so let me ask you this just from a practical standpoint if you really would move for not you but i'm saying if the game says Boy, this experiment looks really interesting. We're gonna we're gonna start trying to get this in all the minor leagues. Doesn't that mean that every college stadium, like your stadium that you play in, where Matt Tyner plays at Towson, or all the high schools, they have to change the pitcher's mound too? And the, just the simple cost and logistics of doing that seem absolutely astounding to me because you wouldn't want a high school student training at 60 feet, six inches, when he's going to go to college where there might be 62, seven inches. Sure, sure. It would be a big change for the sport. Um, I, I, I guess I would say, you know, at, at a certain point, it's the, the cost-benefit. You know, yeah. it's, if, the, if, if you really feel like, and, and maybe this experiment in the Atlantic League will, will bear fruit, or maybe there's another experiment down the line that, you know, shows that that the game can be adjusted in a way that's beneficial for everybody that loves it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think eventually that outweighs the cost. Um, you right. know, I, I, I'm I'm appreciative that you know the Atlantic League has made themselves you know guinea pigs, so to yeah. speak, and that and that baseball is working on this because I I think as much as we love our sport. I don't. I, I think it's unrealistic to ex- expect it to, as the athletes have changed so much. Like I said, for for it to, to stay exactly the same. Yeah, it's interesting t- taking that that theory over to basketball. 
I remember Charlie Ekman, the late Charlie Ekman, who I don't know if you even know who he is, but uh, he used to talk about this 20 years ago, that basketball, the athletes had gotten so so great that the court was too small for these this many players on the court at the same time. I think there's something to that. I, I really do. I think, that, you know, the people who drew up these sports, you know, uh, baseball, basketball, I think there's a real genius in them. That's why they stood the test of time. Yeah. I think nobody is so clairvoyant that they could say, hey, look, in, in a, a hundred years when guys are so much bigger, faster, stronger, this is still going to work. You know, I, I think we're demanding too much of the, the founders of our games if that's our mindset. So uh, I'm, I'm maybe a, a little bit more progressive than mm-hmm. some in terms of, you know, trying to kind of play with the dials, yep. uh, so to speak. But I just think uh, it's, it's something that's clearly coming down the pike. And, you know, I intend to, you know, coach baseball for the, the rest of my life. And I expect that there are going to be some changes and I'm okay with that. And whatever changes there are, you know, at UMBC, we'll try and be as proactive as possible about making the most of them. Hey, thank you very much for joining us on short notice, sure Liam. Uh, sure appreciate really it. Appreciate best of luck. Time. Best of luck to you at uh, UMBC. All right. Take care, guys. All right. Thank you very much.